What is up, church? How we doing, everybody? Happy Easter to you. I'm so glad that you're here. You're here at the 1045, which is also our last service for Easter. Do you know what this means? Do you know what it means? It means two things. It means you really like sleep, all right, so you slept in. Maybe slightly procrastinate, maybe some procrastinators in here, but it also means you're fired up. That's what I think. This is the, this is the fire service. This is the fire service. We're going out with a bang. The last one. So um, I'm so glad that you're here today. If you're watching online, I'm so glad you're watching online. Church, come on. Can we give a warm welcome to everybody who's watching with us online? Uh, I do want to just take a moment and, and from a personal pastoral standpoint say, hey, if you're visiting today, if, if you're new to church, uh, we love you. And we really believe that, uh, that God loves you uh, and God has a plan for your life. That, that what we're doing here is we're getting together in church. This is more than just going through motions. This is more than just uh, doing something because we feel like we have to. We are celebrating on Easter an actual event that took place. Jesus did, in fact, die, but he didn't stay dead. Come on, somebody. He rose from the dead. He rose from the grave. And he is alive today. And we serve a risen Savior. We serve a God who is alive. And, um, and a God who is very interested in us and what happens to us. God loves you, and, and he wants to do something great in your life. And at our church, we want to help you take steps in that. So however we can help serve you and your family to do that, uh, we want to because God loves you, and he has a plan for you. And if you believe it, say, I do. Awesome. Uh, well, today I want to talk to you just for a few moments on uh, the subject of the freedom of Easter, okay? So if you're taking notes, write that down in your notes. Write down freedom, the freedom of Easter. Uh, Easter has become about a lot of things in our society. Like, it's become about a lot of different things. Like, it's become about, uh, it's, you know, we do a lot of things. We do uh, coloring of eggs. How many of you have colored some eggs this week? Anybody? Like, four people. Like, that's, it's a tradition that's really dying out. Get it? Oh, the Easter puns are just starting. Okay, get ready. <laughs> um, or, or it's about a, a candy or bunnies or Easter egg hunts. How many gonna do an Easter egg hunt? Anybody doing Easter egg hunts this weekend? Okay. How many know they're a lot of fun? And then how many even know it can get a little dangerous, especially when money is involved? My wife's family, they put, they put I didn't, we didn't do this a lot, but my wife's family put like real money, like $100 bills, yeah, like in, in their Easter eggs. And so how many know it gets a little, elbows are thrown when you're going for those Easter eggs. And, uh, and this, this is a true story. In 2017, in Sacramento, California, at the, at the state capital Easter egg hunt, they had this, uh, they had everybody there, it was 15,000 people. And 100,000 eggs, everybody say, that's a lot of eggs. And so they had all these eggs, and everybody was, everybody was there, and every, everybody was extra excited, ex, ex, excited. They were just, I know, I'm sorry. We'll get them out of the way early. Um, <laughs> but they, they, were, they, were, they were really excited. So, so it, they had the lines, they had all the lines, and the, the, the roped lines, and said, okay, everybody, we're going to wait until we start this Easter egg hunt for you to, to go. And so, but what happened is people are like, man, there's some good Easter eggs. I want to jump the line. So people were jumping the line. They were starting early. Uh, kids were jumping the line. Parents started jumping the line. For, this is a true story. 
True story. And then parents started, the parents are throwing their eggs back. And then other parents are like, oh, no, you didn't. And then, then the other parents are jumping in. And everybody started like, and people started pushing each other over Easter eggs. Parents were pushing other parents. Parents were pushing kids. You know an Easter egg hunt has gone awry when parents are pushing kids. And so that's why we don't do an Easter egg hunt here at Summer Park Church. Just want to avoid all that. Because I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Because I've been to third grade soccer games here in Lee Summit. And you, you guys are crazy. It's, it's insane. So um, your kids will get Easter eggs, but without the elbows back in their classrooms, all right? So um, we've made Easter. We've made Easter about a lot of different things. But what I want to uh, talk to you about today is that Easter at its core is about freedom. Easter is about freedom. Uh, freedom's a big deal in our country. It's what our, con- our country was founded on, right? Land of the free, home of the brave, America. Oh, someone said home of the chiefs. That was awesome. That's great. Um, it's, it's, our, it's in our Declaration of Independence. It, it says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We love freedom. And, and as Americans we do, and as humans we do, we want to be free. And the good news that I wanna share with you today and encourage you with today is that God wants you to be free. And God wants you to be free not just as a citizen, but as a soul. He wants you to be free where it counts, in your, in your heart. And, and, and just to prove that to you, there's, this is all throughout the Bible, but just to prove it to you, here are a couple of verses that, that talk about this. It's like when God shows up, freedom happens. Uh, now the Spirit, or the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, everybody say it with me, freedom. That was, that, was, that was like a golf clap right there, everybody. That was like a, like, come on, let's try that again. Now, the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. freedom. There we go. There we go. So when God shows up, freedom happens. Galatians 5 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's why Jesus came. It's literally why Jesus came. And then, in fact, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus goes to the synagogue, opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and goes to Uh, chapter 61, and he reads this. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim, everybody say it, freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. God wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to walk in freedom. He wants freedom to be our reality. But as much as we believe in freedom and we all want freedom, how many of you know we also love justice, which means that not everybody can go free all the time? The guilty should be punished. And I know you believe that because just a couple of months ago in the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 57, a crime of grievous capacity was committed by James Bradbury, Eagles cornerback. Do you guys remember the moment? Juju Smith-Schuster was going out for a route. He was cutting in. He was cutting back and clearly held, come on, somebody. 
What was the call gonna be? What was gonna happen? What would the ref do? But praise God, there was a ref who believed in justice. He took that flag out and he threw it. The penalty was called and justice was done. Praise the Lord. We're having church now. Chief's kingdom, Chief's kingdom is having church. We love when the guilty are punished and they should be, but, but maybe the thing we can't stand is when the guilty go free. Anybody follow the uh, Alex Murdaugh trial uh, over the last couple of months? It was a murder trial that took place in South Carolina. And uh, you know, I followed it loosely. I'm not a legal expert, never been on a jury. I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a judge, but just looking at that dude, He was guilty, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he, had, he just looked guilty. He just had a guilty look on his face. And his last name was Murdaugh. <laughs> like, it just sounds like murder in the South. You know what I'm saying? Like, what'd he do? He Murdaugh. Like, I said, you know, I'm mean, just saying, I'm just saying. Like, the dude was done. He didn't have a chance. He didn't stand a chance. How many of you know it would have been terrible if they announced the verdict of that trial and they said, he is innocent, and he walked out. How many of you know, you would be, you would be mad. You would be like, there's no way justice has not been served. You would be outraged and rightfully so. But what I wanna tell you today, what I wanna encourage all of us with is that that is exactly what happens at Easter. The innocent is punished and the guilty goes free. Justice is not served, and yet it is the greatest thing that could have ever happened because all of us are the guilty ones. And because of Jesus and his willingness to take our punishment, we get to go free. And no better is this illustrated in the story of Barabbas in Matthew chapter 27. If you have your Bibles, I want to take some time and I want to look at that. Matthew chapter 27. I want to comb through this passage. It's a powerful story. As you're turning there, I'll give you a little context of what's happening right before this. Earlier this week, Easter week, Jesus is ushered into Jerusalem, and he comes in riding on a donkey to great acclaim of the crowds. Everyone's around him, and they're, they're singing, they're, they're laying their palm branches down, and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They recognize that he is the son of David. He is the promised one, the Messiah, the one who has come to save his people from their sins. So they're worshiping. The adoration is, is rich. But then in just a few days, everything turns. He is betrayed by someone close to him. He is arrested by the religious leaders. He is deserted by his friends and denied by someone who is closest to him. And he's turned over to the governor of the region, Pontius Pilate. And that's where we pick it up in Matthew chapter 27. I want to walk through this passage and, and just talk about how God so desperately wants all of us to experience freedom and how it happens for real at Easter. If you're ready to jump in, say I am. Amen. Matthew 27, verse 15 says this. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. So apparently there was some type of tradition that they had enacted that when Passover time would come, in honor of the Jewish people as a way of just uh, appeasing them, 
the government of Rome would let somebody who was guilty go free. And it says this in verse 16. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So another Jesus, but a different last name, Barabbas. So we'll just call him Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas, who we know from other accounts, was trying to lead a resurrect, or an insurrection, was, was, was actually a murderer, or Jesus, who was called the Messiah, for he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to them. Pilate knows, or at least he thinks, that these people who are very interested in themselves know that this Barabbas has caused reprisals from Rome due to the insurrection that he had brought about. And the people don't like that. People, we're just like this, we don't like pain. Can I get an amen, somebody? We don't like pain. So we're like, he's thinking, these people are like, no, no, Barabbas needs to pay for the pain he brought on us. And so he's the one who needs to be punished. And even Pilate's wife was in on this deal. Look at this, verse 19. When Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Pilate is married. And every married man understands one eternal, undeniable truth. That happy wife equals, come on, somebody. Yes. Pilate doesn't like pain either. He doesn't like the couch. So he's thinking, you know, my, I've got, I know the crowd is for Jesus. They were just worshiping him not too many days ago. I know my wife is saying this is what we should do. So I, I'm just assuming that the crowd is going to go along and that we're going to release Jesus Christ and let Barabbas be executed. But watch this in verse 20. There's a scheme taking place. Verse 20, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. So Pilate gets up, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they answered. And he's shocked. Well, what shall I do with Jesus who was called the Messiah, the one you were just worshiping? The one that, that was brought into great acclaim into Jerusalem with. They all answered, crucify him. Pilate can't believe it. What? This man who has done nothing, literally nothing wrong, this man who has literally only done good things to help people, casting demons out, setting people free, feeding people, healing people, teaching people about God, this is the person who needs to be, this is who needs to be crucified? Why? What crime is he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. And watch what the crowd says. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Jesus, the innocent, is crucified, and Barabbas, the guilty, goes free. The worst case of justice known to man. And yet for us, it's the best news possible. Because, because of Jesus and his willingness to step in 
and take Barabbas' place, he also takes our place. And he dies for our sin. And he makes fellowship with God possible. Three takeaways I want to offer today. Number one, our way often leaves us less free. Number two, Jesus died so that we could be free. And number three, Jesus rose so that we can live free. I believe this passage walks us through this. I want you to, before we jump in, I want you to find three people next to you and say, hey, Jesus wants you to live free. Come on, find three people and just tell them, hey, Jesus, Jesus wants you to live free. First thought is this. Our way often leaves us less free. What was Barabbas trying to do? We, we know that he was trying to start an insurrection. He was trying to, to push off Rome's occupation by making freedom happen for himself. And it's ironic, but, but he was trying to gain greater freedom, and yet where did he find himself initially? In a prison, which brought him less freedom. Barabbas was trying to make it happen for himself. You could say he had a Beastie Boys theology. Some of you Travis Kelsey fans know this, but I believe Barabbas believed that he had to fight for his rights. You guys know that way too well. That's heathens, heathens, just kidding. But what's interesting is that Barabbas is trying to take his freedom, he's trying to take it by force, and where does he find himself? in a prison. He's trying to gain more freedom, and yet he ends up with less freedom. Isn't that how it works for us? Isn't that how it works when we try to do our own thing in our way instead of doing God's thing in God's way? See, the thing is, whenever we, whenever we take matters into our own hands, whenever we say, you know what, I'm going to do what I feel is right, what I think is right, I'm going to make my way happen. I'm not going to listen to God. I'm not going to take God's word into consideration. I'm going to do my way my thoughts, my feelings, I'm gonna make this happen. A lot of times where we end up is sin, right? We, t we look at that forbidden fruit and we know God told us not to take it. God said that's a bad idea. God said stay away from that. But we go ahead and we take what we know is wrong because we're just so convinced that it's gonna get us what we want. And where does it leave us? Less free. Have you ever experienced that? How many ever lied in this place? Just raise your hand if you've ever lied. I can't believe some of you are not raising your hands and lying right now in church on Easter Sunday. <laughs> All of us have lied. Have you ever seen this happen though? When you lie initially, you lie once and then that lie starts getting challenged and what do you have to do to help yourself? You think the lie is gonna help you initially because you don't wanna get in trouble, like, right? It's like some lie, like, ah, I don't, this is gonna be hard, so I'm gonna lie and then what ends up happening in order to protect that lie? What do you have to do again? You have to lie. And, and then you find yourself having to lie another time. And then another time. And again and again. And you have to build this whole false world around your lie. And, and what ends up happening is what you thought was going to bring you freedom, what you thought was going to make life easy for you actually makes life more difficult. And it's like quicksand, and you can't get out of it. Every sin is like this. Anger, lust, selfishness, 
greed, gossip, it just leads to more bondage and less freedom. Jesus, Jesus says it this way in John 8, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We find ourselves not being able to control. We end up in more bondage. Our way often leads to less freedom, but the good news of Easter is that Jesus died so that we could be free. The text says this in verse 26, then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. It almost looks accidental, right? It almost looks like, like this is like, what is happening here? All of a sudden, you know, Jesus is, is brought up, he's betrayed, all of this is going downhill so fast. One day, he's being worshiped as the son of David, and now he's been deserted, he's been betrayed, he's been denied, and now he's being brought up and he's, he's being chosen over by this insurrectionist and murderer. It almost looks like this thing is spiraling out of control, doesn't it? But it's actually just how God wanted it to happen. Jesus has been planning this from the very beginning. This has been his will. In fact, when they came to arrest him, he gives himself up. He doesn't even fight it. Look at this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer, Judas, had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said, do what you came for, friend. Number one, I can't believe he's calling Judas friend in this moment. How gracious is Jesus? But you know what he's doing? He's letting it happen. He's saying, no, this is, this is what's supposed to happen. This is, I'm letting this happen. Do what you came for and watch this. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. And with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. We know that this is Peter. But how many know Peter wasn't trying to cut off the dude's ear? He was aiming for his head, but the dude ducks. And he sliced off the ear, and we know from a different account that Jesus reaches down, picks up the ear, and heals the guy. He heals the guy who's trying to arrest him. And watch what Jesus says to Peter. He says, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I can't call on my father, and he will at once put at disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way. He says, don't you see what I've been doing? Haven't you been paying attention? I've been telling you guys this. This is how this has to go. Why? Because Jesus had to go to the cross. Jesus had to step in our place. He'd been laying the breadcrumbs, Matthew chapter 16. This is one example. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He says it in Matthew 16. He says it again in Matthew 17. He says it again in Matthew chapter 20. He's laying these breadcrumbs and he's saying, this has got to happen. This has got to happen. This is going to happen. Even on the cross... His life is not taken from him. He gives it up. Look at Matthew chapter 27. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. 
How many of you know this is not happening to Jesus? Jesus is happening to this. That's what, so this is not, this is not about some plan that man is just figuring out and they're trapping Jesus. Jesus is saying, I want this to happen. Why? Because sin leads to slavery and it's a slavery that only Jesus can set us free from. Look at this in John chapter eight. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So when you and I, what Jesus is, he's giving us a spiritual truth, a spiritual reality. When we sin, we basically become a slave and we can't be a part of the family. But a son belongs to the family forever. And if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So he's saying the son has the ability to find, a, to find someone who was in their, the slavery of their sin and come to him and take that, that slavery off of them and set them free by bringing them into the family. But how does he do it? By taking our place. Like Barabbas, Jesus takes our place. He comes and he takes the, the pain and the punishment that we deserve. Our sin, it brings death. It brings separation. And Jesus comes and he takes the punishment, the wrath of God that we deserve so that we can experience real life in Christ. What an exchange. What a trade. The world would say that's a bad deal. My, my, my kids, I have two boys and they're into trading cards. And, and I... I hate to admit this in front of all of you, but when they come home for school, they, they like to celebrate how they have scammed other kids out of good cards. It's an indictment on my parenting, I understand that. We're working on it. But they'll come, they'll come home and they'll be like, Dad, you never been, oh, I scammed this kid, it was so awesome. I got a John Morant rookie card for, for some third string quarterback, no name. I'd be like, son, we don't scam anybody. But that was a great trade. <laughs> the world looks at Jesus stepping in for Barabbas and says, that's a scam. Jesus is getting scammed and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This is how I want it to happen because I might be tasting death for a moment, but I'm getting my prize possession back. Why does God do this? Because God loves his people so much. I want you to understand that today. If you understand nothing else today, understand that God loves you with an everlasting love and it is real and it is rich and it is deep. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave generously that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves you so much. He is bringing you back. What Easter is all about is God going. He's leaving the 99 to get to one and bringing you back into relationship with himself. That's the good news of Easter. It is good and it is worthy of celebration. There was a, a Da Vinci painting that was sold recently for $450 million dollars crazy right 
Like, I wouldn't spend my $450 million on the Da Vinci painting, personally. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do with $450 million. A lot of places you could go. A lot of islands you could buy. <laughs> you could buy a whole region of Andy's frozen custard. Come on, somebody. Like, I mean, you could, you could buy maybe the whole country. Who knows? Everywhere you are, you could just be like, yeah, this unlimited. Hook me up. For, and so why would somebody, we don't know, we, the, the, we know that it was sold at an auction house in New York. We don't know who bought it. But why would someone pay so much for a painting? Because they felt that it was worth it. They felt like it was worth it. Why would Jesus willingly taste death, hell, in the grave? Because when he looks at you, he says, they're worth it. You're worth it. That's the gospel. That's the story of Easter. Jesus in our place for our sins. So Jesus died so that we could be free. But the great news of Easter, come on somebody, is Jesus rose so that we can live free. He rose so that we can live free. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down and sat from heaven or uh, from the, came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He has risen just as he said. He said he would rise, and rise he did. And it is a truth that all of the disciples would give their lives to and would give their lives for. All of them would die for that statement. Why? Because they saw him for real. They saw him for real. They saw him crucified. They saw him placed in a tomb. And then they saw him walking around afterwards, talking to them. And they died for that truth. Every generation after the disciples, every martyr who would give their life after the disciples had to believe that truth, right? But they knew that truth. It's one thing to die for a lie that you believe is true. It's another thing to die for a lie that you know is a lie, right? You're not gonna do it probably, most people. Like how many of you know if the disciples thought for one minute that Jesus didn't in fact raise from the dead, that when they're going to crucify, because they, they, they killed all of them, Peter was crucified upside down. How many know when they're getting ready to crucify him upside down, he'd be like, wait, 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 wait. just kidding, I'm just kidding. I don't believe that, it didn't really happen, please don't kill me. But he willingly did it. Why? Because he knew it was true. Because he saw it 
and he experienced the difference that Jesus made in his life because of it. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, what he did is he brought a power that would be available, that was not available before, that is now available for you and I to live different. Not just to hope to be different, but now to live different. It's a, it's a, it's a truth that Paul the Apostle will talk about in Romans chapter 8. says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, you have this available He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Do you know what that word life means? It means zoopeo, to make live, to give life to, to impart life to. What Paul is saying is that when Jesus rose from the dead, what he did is he, he gave life to us so not only does he inspire us to live different, he gives us the power to live different. So when you start following God, you'll want to be different, but Jesus will also give you the power to live different, literally the power to live different. I mean, think about this. This is incredible. This is amazing. It's a whole different way of living, and it's, it comes online because of Jesus taking Barabbas' place and taking our place as well. So what did Barabbas have to do to experience this great gift? Nothing. He didn't have to memorize any scripture. He didn't have to show a perfect church attendance, you know, record. He didn't have to recite poems. All he had to do was when they opened that prison cell, walk out. He just had to accept it. He just had to accept the fact that Jesus had taken his place. It's a free gift of grace. This is Easter. Jesus taking our place. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each to our own way. But the good shepherd has left the 99 for each one of us. All we have to do is accept it. A few weeks ago, my daughter, who was five years old, had gotten up early. Uh, a family had, the family had gone to uh, Freddy's the night before for some burgers and sodas. It was a good night. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and my son Titus left his soda on the counter. He, he only drank a little bit of it, and he... He thought it would still taste good in the morning. How many know it doesn't taste good in the morning? It tastes flat. It is gone. The life has left the soda. But it's still sugary, and Eden knows this, and so she'd gotten up early, and she had gone down to the kitchen, and uh, I heard her go downstairs, and then I heard rustling, and then I heard nothing, and that's always bad, parents. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's always bad. When it gets quiet, <laughs> you know, something bad is taking place. And so uh, I went downstairs, and, and uh, there she was. She was uh, by the counter. As soon as I was coming down the stairs, and she steps away from the counter, and she's just like this. And uh, I said, what are you doing? She goes, nothing. Okay. Did uh, you by any chance take a drink of that soda that's on the counter? No. No, I didn't do it. 
didn't do it. Are you sure? I didn't do it, Dad. Eden, are you sure? I didn't do it, Dad. I said, okay, okay, okay. Well, thank you for telling your dad the truth. It's a little parent hack right there, a little guilt. <laughs> Throw a little guilt just in case. And, uh, and so then I went, up, I, you know, went to my room. I was like, well, why don't you come away from the, the, the soda? And she went to her room, and I went to my room. Fifteen minutes later, this is a true story. I mean, I told, I'd forgotten about it. I'd moved on. And all of a sudden, I hear the doors, poof, doors come open. She comes running in. Dad, I'm sorry, I did it. I drank the soda. I drank the soda. She's crying. Jen and I are laughing. You know, it's like... So I was like, come over, come here, come here, I forgive you, I forgive you. I did it, Dad, I did it. I said, I know you did it. <laughs> but I love you, and I forgive you. And then, and then I just cuddled her close, and I, we watched a nature show, and it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I share that story because, because how many of you know that's all of us? We've all drank the soda. We've all done what we shouldn't do said what we shouldn't say, thought what we shouldn't think, acted in a way that we shouldn't act. We've all done what is wrong and what costs us communion with God. And Jesus, because of Jesus and what he did on the cross for our sins, we have the ability to come running back into the Father's house and for him to pick us up and say, I love you, I forgive you, and welcome home. How many of you know that is our reality because of Easter? Jesus took our place, and he brought us freedom. He wants you to live free. He wants you to live without guilt, without shame. But some of us are walking around, we're carrying that shame. We're carrying that guilt. Why? Because we haven't given it to the Savior. We haven't let the Savior stand in our place. But if you will, by faith, like Barabbas, just get out of the cell and walk into freedom, you will experience newness of life, not because of what you've done, but because of Jesus. Now, he will change you. He will change you. He will give you the desires and the power to live different, but he will love you unconditionally. God loves you. God has a plan for you. And if you start following Christ, if you put your faith in Christ, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And the Bible says that God takes our sin and throws it as far as the east is from the west. This is more than a story. This is reality. And it can be your reality if you put your faith in God. So that's what Easter's about. It's the freedom that God brings to us at Easter. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much. God, thank you so much that this is so much more than just a holiday. It's so much more than an event. It's so much more than just a reason to get dressed up or to, to go on Easter egg hunts. This is so much more than any of that. We're thankful for all of that. But God, this is about you. This is about your grace and you stepping in our place, taking your, our sin upon your back and bringing us back into relationship. God, we thank you for that. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the life that we have in Jesus.
Thank you for Easter. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just take a moment. And I want to ask you, if you're here today, maybe, maybe someone brought you. Maybe you find yourself here today, and, and man, you weren't even planning to come to church, but last minute you decided, or someone invited you. Maybe you've been out of church for a long time and you're sitting in your seat today and as I'm talking, this stuff is hitting you and it's speaking right to you because you're, God's calling you and you're, your spirit is wanting to connect back with him. Maybe that's happening to you today and you realize, man, I need, to, I need to be right. I need to be right. The reality is you don't have to perform in order to be right, but you just have to receive it. And that is by faith. You receive it by faith because of the grace of Jesus. But you gotta receive it. It's a free gift. Maybe God's drawing you, God's calling you, God's speaking to you. He's saying, come home. I want you to know me. I want relationship with you. If that's you today and you're here and God's calling you, I wanna pray for you and I wanna believe that today could be the beginning of a whole new life for you. Because the reality is God does love you and he has a plan for you and he's calling you. And if you'll respond to him, he will change you. He will make you a new creation, the Bible says. Old things will pass away and all things will become new. That can be your reality if you put your faith in him. So I'm gonna ask you to do something really bold in just a moment. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm gonna count to three in just a moment. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want Jesus Christ. I want to make a decision to follow Christ. I want to make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time. I'm going to pray for you and I believe that this could be a moment where eternity comes alive in your heart like never before. God's calling you. He's drawing you. Will you respond to him? One, God is, God is here and Easter is about freedom. Two, he's drawing you. He wants you to know him. Three, all across this place, would you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to make a decision. Come on, all across this place, hands are going up everywhere. I just want to see every person. Hold it up loud and proud and strong. There's so many. I can't even recognize all of them, but I just hold it up. And just say, God, I want you. God, I want you. God, I want you. Come on, would you just all across this place just say that, God, I want you. I want all that you have for me. Hands are going up everywhere. Lord, I pray for every person right now who is reaching out for you. I pray that, God, you would do an eternal work in their hearts, Lord. I pray that faith would come online for them. Lord, that eternity would come online for them in a way that they've never experienced. Lord, that your presence would come. That, God, you, your kingdom would come in their lives and that you would set them free in the mighty name of Jesus. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, will you stand with me all across this place? So many people raise their hand. Can we just, can we just honor all of those who said, I want to make a decision to follow Christ? Come on. Best decision you ever make, by far, by far. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down to the front. If, if you raise your hand and you want someone to pray with, we'd love to pray for you. If you have a need in your body, we'd love to pray for you and believe God to do something powerful in your life. If there's anything that you need, your marriage, your finances, emotional, your mental health, we want to pray for you and believe God to touch you. God is here and God is able to do powerful things. The rest of us, before we leave, can we take a moment and just thank God for the freedom that we have because of Jesus? Would you lift your hands across this place? Let's just take a holy, sacred moment 
God, we thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the tomb, the empty tomb that shows and evidences the life that we have because of resurrection. Thank you that you have made us free. Thank you that you have helped us live free. God, we love you and we praise you and we worship you and we thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a need, come on down. Let's just take a few moments. Let's worship the Lord.